0: Thank you for being here this weekend. It's just, it is, or this night, Christmas Eve. It is just good to be together and gather, uh, to together, and so, um, um, so let me ask you a question. Uh, so, what what did Adam uh, say to his wife? Merry Christmas Eve. I know, I know. That's like the ultimate dad joke, right? But what I, what I do know, a lot of you dads are going to use that. That may be the most quoted thing out of this whole sermon. <laughs> it's just simply that. But I, I want to tell you, thank you for being here. And and what really captured my heart as I worked through the text and I developed this message is just the, the dreams of Christmas, especially the dreams of Joseph. Joseph had four dreams through this season of, of Christmas. And and, and, and I just want to remind you that in the same as what we're walking through, Mary and Joseph had to walk through some of the similar circumstances. There's a lot of instability in their world. There was an instability with in the government. There's instability in, in, in the economy. There is instability in the community and, and all those other things. And so I just want to remind you, that when we looked at this text, that that I was enamored with the number of dreams that Joseph had. And I think there's a lot to say for us. fact is, I think God has a word for us because if we're honest, if we're just honest, we all have dreams, right? If we're honest, we just have dreams. And so it may be the dreams uh, of giving something or giving a gift. It may be the dream of receiving a gift. That's usually typical of children, right? You know, Christmas is about dreaming about what they're getting and what they're receiving and their presents. and the story is told about this little boy that That he hadn't been very good all year and and he went to his mom and he said mom I really want a bicycle for Christmas and she said well, you know Billy You haven't been really good this last year You need to pray to Jesus and see if Jesus will, will give you a bicycle and he says no worries And so he goes up to his his room and he decides to write a letter to Jesus and so he just wrote out, he said, Dear Jesus, uh, I, I want a bicycle for Christmas, and if you'll give me a bicycle for Christmas, I will not sin for an entire year. And so he took that letter, he folded it up, put it in an envelope, and he was headed to the mailbox out of the house, and his mother had, and always has had, had a statue of, of, of the Virgin Mary. And so when he saw, when he saw Mary, he kind of got convicted. And so he says, I, I don't know if I can like, make it a year. And so he goes back up into his room, he rips up the letter, and he writes a new letter, and he says, Dear Jesus, if you'll give me a bike for Christmas, I will not sin for six months. He says, I think I can do that, and so, so I will not sin for six months. And so he folded it up, put it in an envelope, headed back out to the, uh, to the mailbox, and there again he saw the Virgin Mary. And there again he felt really, really guilty and, I, and thought, I don't know if I can do that, so he had an idea and so he stuffed the letter in his pocket, and he grabbed, the, he grabbed the Virgin Mary and ran up into his room with her and found a box, an empty toy box, and stuffed her in a box and put some duct tape on it and then hid her in the closet, Ripped up the letter, and then took out another piece of paper and said, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, you'll give me a bicycle. <laughs> but we all, we all have dreams, right? We all every one of us, whether we realize or not, we have we have dreams. Now listen, we may phrase that as a bucket list, something that's on our uh, something that's on our bucket list. And so so I thought it would be interesting. I wanted to know, well, what are the top bucket list items in the US? So nobody better to ask than the Google. So I, I asked the Google, what are the top bucket list items in the U.S.? I was kind of surprised by them. Uh, the number one answer was to be able to drive Route 66, to go, go down the Pacific Highway. You know what? I tried. I couldn't find anybody with a bucket list item of, I want to drive I-25. <laughs> Nobody. You know, I want to go through the gap. I want to exper- experience that. So the number one item was to, to drive Route 66 and go the Pacific Coast Highway. And then you, then you found other things, and fact is in order. It was, I want to see the fall leaves turn in the northeast. I mean, that was like number two. And then I want to go to Hawaii, and I want to go to Africa. I want to go to the Holy Land. I want to see a championship game, whether it's the World Series, the NBA Finals, the, the college, you know, the Final Four, or maybe even, even, even a Super Bowl. And, and I don't know if you're like me. I, I have some bucket list items as well. Uh, we just recently had a daughter that moved to, uh, to Maine and unfortunately took two of our grandkids uh, with her. And, and so they're her kids. And so she probably has a right to do. It. But it's still pretty frustrating. And so, and so anyway, I mean, anyway... I have a bucket list item. One day I want to drive to Maine, and I want to, I want to stop off at the Lake of the Ozarks, and I want to rent a, rent a cabin on the lake, and I want to be able to rent a boat and, and explore that. And so maybe, maybe, maybe you have some bucket list items. And listen, there is nothing wrong of, of wanting to drive Route 66 or I-25 or go to a championship game and see a Super Bowl, a Final Four, or go to Hawaii, go to Africa, go to the Holy Land. There is nothing wrong with that. But I do have a question for you. Do you have anything spiritual on your bucket list? Because I think the greatest bucket list item that you can place and I can place on a bucket list is to fulfill the promises or fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Because when you look at Joseph, you look at Mary, you look at the shepherds, you look at the magi, you realize that they fulfilled the purposes of God for their life. And you realize at the same time, when you look at Joseph, he had four major dreams. He had four major dreams that I think, if we're not careful or not careful, I think that we can all relate to those things. Because what I'm finding in this series or in this season, it is becoming harder and harder for people to just dream. I'm running into more and more people that just kind of lost hope kind of lost hope for 2022 or 2023. And and if you're not careful, listen, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, we can get so discouraged that we'll just give up on fulfilling the purposes uh, of, of God for our life. And we'll say, you know what, we'll just worry about driving Route 66 or, or going to Hawaii, going to Africa, or, or doing some of those bucket list items, and we just kind of forget about anything spiritual. We just kind of forget about just living out the purpose that God has for our life. So in the time that I have with you, I just want to walk through the four dreams that, that, that Joseph had, and maybe one of those dreams you could relate to. Maybe you can relate to all. I, I actually can relate to all. And so the first dream that Joseph had was a Christmas dream of encouragement. Joseph had a Christmas dream of encouragement. He was going through a really difficult time—not not only economically and religiously, and everything that was going on in their, their community—but the, the, the girl that he was engaged to, his fiance, uh, said she, she's pregnant. She with with child. And at first, it took him back. His pride was hurt. He was he was discouraged. He uh, maybe maybe trashed some of his dreams for the future that he had his whole life already planned out. And when you look at Joseph, you realize. That Joseph began struggling through the night. He could not sleep. Have you ever had a time in your life to where you're confronted with an issue, you're confronted with a problem, and as a result of that, it seems like you can't even sleep. And you kind of struggle with it or wrestle with it all night. See, this was Joseph. And Joseph is struggling with this through the night. And all of a sudden, he has his first dream of encouragement. Here's what it says in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. He says, but after... He had considered these things. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. So now we know that Joseph was carrying some fear. Usually that's what keeps us up at night. Joseph had fear of the future. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save His people from their sins. Mary, she also had a dream of encouragement. Luke 1, verse 38, it says, And the angel of the Lord came to her and simply said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Maybe right now in a problem that you're going through, maybe you would say, you know what I really need? I'm telling you, I really need a a Christmas dream of encouragement. I just need to be encouraged. I need to be reminded the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me in my circumstance. The Lord is with me in my my situation. Emmanuel, God is with us. Fact is, when you look at the word encouragement in the English, and you carry it all the way back to the Latin, you carry it all the way back to the Greek, you realize in the Greek is a compound Greek word, in, theos, in, God. The only way we are truly encouraged is in a relationship with him. And being reminded, Emmanuel, God is with us. Because, see, here's here's, here's what I've learned, and you may have learned it as well. Hope and anxiety actually have something in common of what is possible. Two different messages, but hope and anxiety actually have two common things. See, anxiety will tell you that in the future it's going to be disaster. In the future it's not going to work out. In the future, you're not going to turn things around. In the future, it's just going to be bad. See, that's what anxiety, that's what keeps us up at night. But hope is the opposite. Hope is this anticipation of deliverance. Hope is this anticipation that God is going to come through and God is going to do. See, that, was, that was what was so important to Joseph's dream of encouraging. And maybe you would say, I'm, I'm in a crazy storm and I'm in a crazy situation right now. And there's a lot of uncertainty around me. Well, aren't you glad that Jesus is our Prince of Peace? And it's in theos, it is in God that we are encouraged. Look at this, it's just a verse that means so much to my wife and I. It's, (coughs) excuse me, it's carried us through a lot of valleys and a lot of difficulties. It's in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it just simply says this. "For (coughs) For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration Watch list plans for your well-being. Not for disaster, to give you a hope, to give you a future and a hope. Maybe some of you here tonight are saying, you know what, I need a hope for the future. Well, maybe for you, on your bucket list, is a Christmas dream, just a simple Christmas dream of encouragement. Here's the second one, a Christmas dream of guidance. Not only a hope of encouragement and God encouraging you, but a Christmas dream of guidance. Listen, if we're honest, right, none of us can can predict the future. Is there anybody in this room that three years ago would have predicted that we would go through what we did go through just the last 20 20 minutes or 20 months? Not one of us, right? I mean, there was a time, if I'm honest, that I kind of thought I, I could predict the future. Like every time I watched a Hallmark movie with my wife, I could always predict the ending. <laughs> and I could always console her when they're like breaking up and they come to that moment. And she would get upset and i say, hey, no worries. You know what? They're going to get engaged. They're going to get married and they're going to take over the family business. You know, they're going to they're make the cookies for life or they're going to take over the cabin or the ski lodge or whatever. No worries. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to happen. Now, some people will say they're just great love stories. And we all know in this room. The greatest love story ever was Rocky, right? <laughs> I and mean, why we're on, I'm serious, and why we're on this subject. The greatest Christmas movie was Die Hard. I mean, can, yeah. See, we got a witness. I mean, the greatest movie it was, it was just Die Hard. But you know what? Have you ever noticed? And I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking, but I got to do four of these, and I got to keep it interesting, or I'll get bored listening to myself. Have you ever noticed in action movies that the security guards guards are like horrible at their job? And everyone you ever see, anyway, we gotta move on. But but so, so we need him. The fact is, we need him to guide us why. We cannot predict the future. We cannot predict what, what's gonna happen tomorrow. That's why living in the present is so important. And look at this 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 uh, this dream in Matthew chapter two, verse 13. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is the second one, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. I mean, when you look at this, it's just guidance. This is guidance to leave, to leave Bethlehem and to go to Egypt. It fulfilled Scripture, but it also was protection for his family. And so I just want you to know God has a plan for your life, and God has a purpose for your life, not only, not only to encourage you, But to to guide you and to even protect you, to help you make major decisions in your life as far as life-changing decisions, where you should work and where you should live and and some of of those other things. And, And when you look at this, we can all ask ourselves the question about, well, then how do you find the purpose of God in your life? And I think the church, and I know I'm a preacher, but I think the church has made this so confusing for most people. A lot of Christians, we make this really hard, and it's not hard. So how do you find the purpose of God for your life? It's in the text, but this is the way you do it. You just be faithful to God where you're at now, and guess what? God's purpose will find you. You find that with Joseph, you find that with the Magi, you find that with, with Mary, you find that with the shepherds. That if you will just come to the place and say, hey God, wherever you place me, whatever this situation is, I'm just going to be faithful to you in this situation, in this season of life. And guess what? God's purposes will find you. I mean, remember the scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the and, and, and everything will be added to you, right? What do you do first? You seek the kingdom of God. You seek Him. You place Him first. Listen, I'm telling you, I never thought I'd be a pastor. Never dreamed that. Never thought I'd be a pastor. I just simply began faithfully following Christ, and He changed my direction. There's some of you in this room that could give testimony to that. I never thought I'd be in this place of life. I never thought I'd... I was just faithful to God, and all of a sudden, one job led to another. One situation led to another. And so when you look at this, you find if you'll just be faithful to God, his purposes will find you. It's just a favorite psalm that's just really just, just, just going down deep in my soul. is Psalm 27, 13, and 14. And here's what it says. It's just a statement of faith. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. You know, what, you know what you do when you're waiting for him? Just be faithful wherever he's placed you. And then allow your heart, because I'm telling you, allow your heart to be courageous. Allow your heart to dream again. Allow your heart to get some dream and say, guess what? I am going to understand this, and I am going to challenge my false beliefs, because here's, here's a false belief, that I will never see the goodness of the Lord in the life I'm living. I will never see goodness again. That is a false belief. And you challenge that and you allow your heart to be courageous. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding because you and I cannot predict life. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Just be faithful to Him. Put Him first. And He will make your path straight. That's just another way of saying that God's purposes will find you. A third dream, when you look at Joseph's dream, is just a dream of protection. Just a dream of protection. Here's what the scripture says in Matthew 2, verse 19 and 23. It says, and after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, entered the land of Israel. But when it heard that Achilles uh, was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee, then went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Joseph was just simple. You know know how he fulfilled the promises of God? He just faithfully followed God. And he just faithfully, same with Mary, same with the shepherds, same with the magi. The The one who made the stars to get your attention can also speak to your heart. And so some of, some of you here, you may say, you know what, we're, we're dealing with a subject. I mean, we are dealing with something that, that, that we need some guidance. We need some protection. We need to make a decision of what to do. And I'm telling you, that's the dream of protection. But there, there may be some of you that you're headed down a path, and you know the bridge is out. You know there's trouble ahead. You know that you keep doing this. It is not going to end well. And the fact is, it reminds me of something that happened to my wife and I a number of years ago, a few years ago. Uh, we traveled to Houston to get to my mom during that, you know, ginormous snowstorm of Texas, which Texans should be able to afford a few snowplows, just saying. And so, so we drove. We drove through that whole thing. And what should have taken 12 hours took almost 30 hours of, of solid driving. The only way that we made it through is we just found a truck driver, got right behind this truck driver as he plowed the roads because nobody else was going to do it, and, and we followed him. But somehow we'd lost him, and we, we came up on an area, and there's a guy standing out with a flashlight, and he's like, he's like flagging us down. He's waving a flashlight, and so finally we, we skid to a stop through all the ice, and it's a state trooper, and the state trooper says, Hey, listen, I need to warn you that there's some power lines that are out, and you can't see that they're, they're, and they're live. They're hot. And he says, and you can't see it because the snow has covered them up. And he says, you, you, need to, you, need either, you either need to ch- turn around, you need to go a different direction, or you need to wait until the power company shows up and get them out of the way to be able to move for your safety. And listen, I'm telling you, God is willing to do that for you as well. I mean, he is a God of protection. And so maybe now you're in a season and you say, you know what? I, need, I not only need God's encouragement, I need God to guide me with some decisions that I need to make. But you know what? I also need the protection of God. And you find this. You just find this in Joseph's story, the Christmas story. And then there's a Christmas dream of faith is the last one. Hebrews 11.1 is probably my favorite all-time verse of of the definition of faith. And this is just pure out of of the Scriptures. And so here's what the Scripture says, Hebrews 11.1. It says faith is uh, the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. In other words, it's just a simple belief that God exists and God will take care of you. When you look at this issue, you realize that all great lives, and if you want to study great lives, you can, but, but all great lives that are effective are lives of people that, that where it's part of their life of giving and forgiving and giving and forgiving. And those two things, after I thought about it, are really important around Christmas, right? I mean, this issue of giving and, 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 and forgiving and giving and, and, and helping others. But it, it's this life of, of not only giving great gifts at Christmas, but it's also forgiving others. And that may be a really important one around Christmas, right? Just this ability, especially when your family starts showing up or forgiving others, it's grace upon grace. Grace upon aunt so-and-so. Grace upon uncle so-and-so. Grace upon my dad. Grace upon my mom. Grace upon my children. Grace upon my parents. When you start having those emotions of why do they stay so long? Why did they say that? Why did they give me that? Why don't they help out around the house? It is grace upon grace. And for some of you, that is your word this, this night. Here's a crazy thing. This is just for free. <laughs> Alexis, you know the, the Google deal that's in your home? Alexis eavesdrops, right? We know that. She listens. And so they did some statistics around Christmas, crazy, that, that Alexis reported that when most family arguments, fights happen over Christmas, it's Christmas Day at 6 p.m. So either you're going to need grace upon grace tomorrow at 6 or leave at 5. <laughs> just, leave, just, just leave early. But it's, it's grace. Listen, it is grace upon grace. It's, it's forgiveness for others, but maybe even more importantly, it is forgiveness for ourselves. The grace of God will forgive you for any sin. Here's what I've learned in my life. It is easier for me to receive the forgiveness of God than to forgive myself. I don't know if I'm the only one. I just know that's what happens in my life. I know what I said. I know what I did. I know what I should have, could have, probably should have done better. And I beat myself up more than God beats me up because God doesn't beat anyone up. Some of you this, some of you may need just a dream of faith. Some of you this Christmas, you need to forgive yourself. Some of you this Christmas, you need, listen, you just need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself, allow your heart to be courageous again and just dream again. Forgive yourself. Listen, I'm telling you, forgive yourself and just move on. Wasn't, the promise, wasn't that the promise of Scripture that I just read earlier, talking about Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins? That is you and I. See, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of us may have come out of a spiritual tradition like that little boy in the, in the story wanting the bike. Or we may have come out of a background to where it was just guilt upon guilt. It wasn't grace upon grace. And it was about doing enough, right? God, maybe if I maybe if I have done enough and if I've been good enough, then you will give me that bike or you'll give me that present that I want. And then when we don't get it, what do we do? We kind of keep God take God hostage and make some threats or some some, some demands. But it's grace upon grace. Just as the Messiah, Jesus, came to the earth, and he came to earth. Listen, I'm just telling you, just please. He came to earth not because we were nice, but because we were naughty. But the scripture says, we're all not nice. All of us has fallen short of the glory of God. And he didn't come to this earth because we were good enough. He didn't come to this earth because we were nice enough. He didn't come to this earth because we'd done more good things than bad things. He came to the earth because we were naughty and we needed a savior. That's why he came. See, that is a meaning. That is the meaning of Christmas. At Christmas... Jesus was sent and fulfilled the purposes of God. Joseph fulfilled the purposes of God. Mary, forgive the for, uh, fulfilled the purposes of God. The shepherds, the magi, but because Jesus Christ fu- fu- fulfilled the purposes of God, went to the cross on our behalf, took on our sins, and died for us. We have forgiveness of sin, and because of that, you could place. Listen, you could place your trust in Him. And if you have not done that, I pray tonight you would do that. God, I accept your sacrifice for me on the cross. Come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. And understand that the Christian life is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. The meaning of Christmas. Well, let me explain it this way. Have you ever given your kids like a... Uh, like a primary gift, like a really expensive gift, and then you had to give them a lot of things that go along with it. Like I, I learned this with kids. I mean, if you, I mean, the crazy thing, if you if you give a, a child an Xbox, a PlayStation, or something like that, you just can't give them the Xbox or the PlayStation. You've got to give them controllers. You've got to give them games. You've got to give them memory cards. I mean, you've got to give them goggles. You've got to get, you know, screens and everything else. I mean, you can't just give them, and so you have to give a primary gift, and then you have to give this other stuff that supports the primary gift, right? Well, if you did it backwards and you just gave them the controllers and the, and the memory card and the goggles and, and, and all those other things and you didn't give them the primary gift, they would miss the whole meaning. They wouldn't experience. Can I tell you this? Jesus Christ is the primary gift of Christmas. And you can get all this peripheral stuff of celebration and giving, God, giving presents, and you can miss the meaning of Christmas. And when you look at Mary and you look at Joseph, you realize that God overrode the limitations of their physical bodies. And it may seem to you right now that, like, Charlie, this is, like, really easy for you to preach, but you don't know my situation. There is no joy in my future. There is no hope in my future. There is no peace within my grasp. This healing is not even a possibility, and financial security is not even in my path. Well, let me read one last verse, or next to the last verse. Luke one thirty-seven. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said, and the angel left her. Now listen, that phrase... For nothing is impossible with God is an important phrase, and I very seldom do this on the weekends. And, and, um, but I, I really think, I really think it would help understanding this. The New Testament was written in the Greek, and so we have a, a an English translation that is transliterated out from from Greek to to English, and sometimes it's phrased different, and sometimes it takes more words. Can I? We're going to put up on the screen. This is exactly word for word out of the out of the Greek of what that phrase for nothing is impossible with God watch this here here is this knots are not impossible with God knots are not impossible with God there's a lot of us in this room we're, we're facing some knots God is not going to answer my prayers God is not going to take care of this situation God is not going to work this out God is not going to heal me. Listen, we have story after story of miracles, not only in our life, but in this church. We have some of them in this service that when they went to the hospital, it was a pretty bleak report. And guess what? They are celebrating and worshiping us with, with us tonight. And they had some knots in their future. And maybe you're here tonight, and there are some knots that you are facing during this season. Would you just get a word from him out of his word, out of the scriptures? Would you get a word from him? Would you get a dream? Would you allow your heart to be courageous? Would you allow your heart to dream again? But it's a dream of encouragement, a dream of guidance, a dream of protection, or a dream of just simple faith. Our worship team is going to come back up, and we're going we're to worship to one last song, and then we'll light candles. Here's what the... Here's what the Scripture says. The Scripture simply says this. It says they hurried off, Luke chapter 2, verse 16. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary, treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard which were just as they had been told. Jesus Christ, who came at Christmas one day, is going to come again in all of his glory. And we're going to worship him. When you look at this story, you realize that in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their question, they just simply worshiped him. And we just want to worship together in just a second we we'll light candles. But in this, in this song, Would you get a word from him? Dream of encouragement, dream of protection, dream of guidance, or a simple dream of faith.